Hey, good morning, Mission Church. This is uh, Tony Miller, lead pastor at Mission Church of the Nazarene. And wherever you're at in your living room or maybe sitting in your car at work and you're taking a moment to worship, I want to just welcome you. Thank you for joining us here on our virtual worship experience. Um, by the way, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, it's it's great to have you tune in as we anticipate Holy Week and the coming Easter Sunday. And we'll have some special things online here for you to worship with us on that special day. Uh, but I, I do want to get down to business. If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verse 40 together. Uh, around verse 40. And then we're going to jump to some other passages. And so uh, we're going to, again, we're going to do some work today. So hang with me as you grab your Bible or your iPad or your phone, whatever you use for scripture, because we're going to definitely use God's word this morning. Um, we're going to watch a video, and it's kind of an unusual video to watch on Palm Sunday. Uh, it's some story and testimony from some of the folks that were on that flight. I think it was flight 1549 that became the miracle flight of the Hudson, that commercial airliner that solely landed on the Hudson River. And so it's kind of emotional. Again, an unusual place to start, but bear with me. Let's watch this video, and let's begin there. I was in the sales office on the 49th floor of the New York Marriott Marquis. I had a cubicle that actually faced the water, so I'm looking at the Hudson. It was a really cold day. I believe the high that day was 19 degrees, something like that. It was, you know, a very standard takeoff. Until just a couple seconds into the flight, I had picked up my book. I was ready to read. and You could see it just for a split second, the, the motion of something being sucked into the engine. There's a boom. Bang. Some sort of sound. I knew instantly that there was something wrong. Uh, this is uh, Cactus 1539. It burns to Florence Road. I was kind of absent-minded in watching this plane coming down and descending that quickly. We may end up in the Hudson. And the buildings, the way that they cut out, it's almost as if I saw snapshots. It crossed one building and the plane was out of sight. I heard Captain Sullenberger say, This is the captain. Brace for impact. I'm sorry, say again, Captain. And Mark just held my hand. Oh, I think he said he was going to the Hudson. Then we hit the river, bounced once, and came to rest. And people started rushing up the aisles. stepping into the raft and stepping out of the door into the raft. I do believe that I had some help getting out of the plane into the raft. Well, you hesitated at the door, so I had to help you across the threshold for the, for the good of the rest of the passengers. After we came down and bounced and everything stopped, then all hell broke loose because then, <laughs> then everybody started surging up. Like there was people behind you, go, 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 exploding up because the water in the back of the plane was up to here on them. I stepped on the wing and I always say I just jumped like I jump into a swimming pool. I saw this rather large individual freestyling towards Manhattan. I thought to myself, that's a long swim to get to Manhattan. And I started waving at him. And as I waved, I didn't know if he was going to see me or not. He turns, he looks at me and he goes, yeah, what is it? I said, where are you going? He said, I'm swimming to Manhattan. 
I said, you're probably not going to make it. Come on, swim this way. I'd never seen anybody probably in 15 years since my time in the military who looked as close to death as you did, Pam. And I didn't think it could get any worse until I saw you, Steve, who'd been in the water longer. We swam to the raft, and I, I remember thinking, they're not going to let me in, that it's going to be too crowded, that, oh, my God, I could already see this raft kind of full of people. And she said, is there room in the raft? And I started laughing. I remember this day. I started laughing, and then I said, well, by golly, we'll make room. I remember a hand coming. Is your ring on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I recall very specifically holding Steve, who is six foot four, and he's wearing a blue shirt, and I was literally holding him like a baby, and he said, is this a dream? This has to be a dream. And I said, no, it's, it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And I just held him, and I didn't know him from anybody. Wow, that was an emotional video. I'm trying to imagine in my mind's eye what it was really like to be on that plane, to be a passenger. If I were there and heard the announcement that we're making this emergency landing, and I I can't even begin to fabricate the negative expectations that I would have the result of this particular landing. And and that's the reason that we, we are watching the videos, because I want to take us to the far end of that spectrum and not negative expectations, but positive expectations. In fact, that's why I'm going to Luke chapter 8, looking at verse 40. That's our text for this morning for Palm Sunday. And yes, it's an unusual text for Palm Sunday. And we're going to come back to the the Palm Sunday text. But I want to begin here in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. uh, Because first off, I really love this text. I mean, it's a story of of Jairus, a synagogue leader that has a 12-year-old girl that's dying. And later on, she dies. Jesus raises her from the dead. And it's also a story of this woman that had been sick for 12 years, and she was bleeding. And uh, as we read the scripture there in Luke chapter 8, looking at verse 40, we see that the crowds were, were pressing in. In fact, the scripture says that they were almost crushing Jesus. And I, I know what that's like, you know, feeling that, that sense of being crushed. I was a part of a service of 20,000 people that were waiting outside in Cali, Columbia, a church service. And the people, we were so close together. People are so pressed up against me. There was a wave in the crowd. And when it hit our spot, it literally lifted my feet up off the ground. And it was pretty scary. And so I understand what it means to be in a crowd that is huge and that's pressed against you. And that's what Jesus is experiencing. You can almost imagine it and smell the dust in the air and the sandals on their feet and the garments the people are wearing and, and that was the scenario in the midst of that Jairus gets to him the synagogue leader and he cries out to Jesus my daughter is dying and I need you to touch her I need you to heal her and then you can imagine the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years he she gets through the crowd and pushes through the people's bodies and and legs and she finally just touches the very edge of the hem of his garment Jesus feels the power come out of him and he turns to her who touched me I felt power come out from me. And, and you know, I'm thinking as I read this text, I'm wondering, you know, how much are we like them? Because, you know, as the crowd was pressing in, here's Jairus and here's this woman that had been sick for 12 years. And there is no question they had some level of expectation when they were coming in the presence of Jesus. And, you know, I don't think it was, you know, connected with, just the physical presence of Jesus as much as it was connected to the result of the presence of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. 
I wonder how well we do in coming together as we read the word and we worship, how well we do at expecting that God is going to speak and that God is going to pour his spirit out upon us. And I believe that we can do better in that. And maybe right now in all the things that are going on, the chaos in our world right now, when things are really uncertain, that we are able to come together and we're to gather, whether again it's in our car or at work in our living room, expecting that God is going to speak and God is going to do something and God is going to lift us and encourage us. And and maybe that's what you need right now is an encouraging word. Well, I believe that the word of God does that. It brings us the encouraging word. And so we come to this passage and we see how these two came expecting. In fact, I want to say this, this is my theme, that expectation is the foundation for the miraculous. The expectation or expectation is the foundation for the miraculous. In fact, I go back through the history of Jesus' life in just a few days after Palm Sunday. I remember Jesus was was getting ready to be arrested. I mean, we are reading ahead, so we see that. But just before he's arrested, he falls to the ground with his face in his hands, and he's carrying this burden, this tremendous emotion. It's just speculation, and maybe it's the sin of mankind, or maybe it's those that are lost, the lost souls. Maybe it's possible that he's he's burdened because of his relationships that he's losing, you know, those that were close to him and abandoned him, or or maybe it's all the above. And he's just concerned about, you know, the whole world. (laughs) But there was a burden that Jesus was carrying upon his shoulders as he laid there on the ground with his hands in his face, weeping. Oh, Lord, if possible, take this cup from me. But I noticed there in Matthew, looking at that passage, we go to Matthew chapter 26. Something that jumps out at me is verse 38 when he says to his disciples, stay here and keep watch. Stay here and keep watch. I mean, it's saying something. It's saying that there is something that Christ is expecting from his disciples. In fact, we go to verse 40 and 41 and we read there. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You cannot convince me that Jesus was not saying, all right, guys, you're not expecting enough. Because if you were expecting great things, you would stay awake. If you came expecting, you would be anticipating that God is going to do something and that God is going to move and you'd be awake. I mean, this was what the scenario was really about. And, and again, it's Palm Sunday. There's no question about that. And I sense the very same kind of spirit in Matthew chapter 21, looking at verses 8 through 9. And we look at the response of the crowd as Jesus came in riding on a donkey. And and you remember they throw out their cloaks and they put this pathway on the ground. And then they cut, you know, palm fronds and they put the palm fronds on the ground. They're waving the palm fronds and they're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I can't imagine a more expectant crowd. With the very same kind of spirit, and yes, probably a little, you know, misguided because they're expecting a physical king to come and to relieve them of the heavy hand and the tyranny of the empire. But, but Jesus had even a better plan than that. But there's no question, you can't doubt the fact that this crowd was expecting. They were expecting great things, and they were anticipating that God was going to do something wonderful. And that is why I'm in this text here in Luke chapter 8, looking at verse 40. Because just before... You know, Jairus calls out saying, Jesus, help me with my dying daughter. Or the woman touches the edge of his garment just before that. 
we read verse 40, and here's what it says. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. For why? For they were expecting him. (laughs) Expectation is the foundation of the miraculous. I believe that. In fact, we go to this passage in Luke chapter 8, and I I believe that this expectant kind of spirit um, can translate into everyday Christian living. In fact, there are three words that I find in this text that helps us do that. And the first word that I, I want to present to you is this, if you're writing it down. The first word is ask. That's right, just ask. You know, what, what have we been told? Ask and you shall receive, right? Just ask. I mean, that's exactly what Jairus did. Is he, he comes to Christ and he asks for a miracle that God would heal his daughter. What he didn't know is Jesus Christ was going to raise her from the dead. I mean, asking is the beginning place. And for him, it was physically asking in the presence of Christ. But for us, it's the process of prayer. And let me tell you something this morning. As you're listening and worshiping, God is a God that answers prayer. He really does. I've prayed miraculous prayers, and God's answered them. I've prayed, you know, kind of medium prayers, if I can say that. And God has answered them. I've even just whispered a prayer when I'm working out or jogging down the street. And lo and behold, can you believe? God answers the prayer I just barely whispered or even thought. God is a God of answered prayer, and God wants to answer your prayer as we seek him. In fact, I'm reminded of the spirit, this kind of expectant spirit in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where we read, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, as we're seeking him first and seeking his kingdom and wanting to bless that kingdom. You know, the promise here is this, that God... He's waiting for you to ask, just like a father is waiting to hear the child ask. And just as a father wants to fulfill the request, the need, the desire of that child, so God wants to fulfill our need and our request. All we have to do is ask. God is inviting us to ask. That's the first word. You know what the second word is in this story? This story here in Luke chapter 8, the second word is faith. In fact, that's what we see in, in the life of this woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. She had faith. I mean, imagine, again, using your imagination, the crowd that was pressing in around Christ and, you know, all the noise. And you can imagine that this mother or this woman that had been, you know, sick for 12 years, she could have said, well, there's so many people here. I mean, there's too many. I mean, there's a lot of needs represented and there's all these other families and their needs are probably greater than mine. You can imagine she could have explained away her faith and not acted, but she did not listen to that negative expectation but she had a positive expectation and she had this faith and that faith began to began to transform into hope for her life and you know that that when you have faith it transforms into hope when you really have faith and the fact is you probably need a little hope right now i know i do i need some hope in my life because we're thinking you know what is going on and how long is this going to last and maybe there's some people that you're really concerned about Maybe it's resources, maybe it's your your work, your job. I don't know, but I know this, that faith translates into hope. When you have faith in God and you begin to have really have that faith, there is this hope that comes alive in us. And, you know, maybe for this woman it was a mature faith. Maybe she had had faith for years and had been exercising faith in her prayer life and, and God had been answering her prayers. I mean, she could have been a woman of great faith, believing if I could just touch the edge of his garment. Or it might have been childlike faith. I think of that passage in Matthew. Suffer little children, forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing like childlike faith, right? 
I mean, childlike faith that's untarnished and it's unharmed and the heart is still open and fresh. And with faith like a child, we come and we believe childlike faith, you know, that innocence. We can learn from that. It's like the story I heard about a man that was going by a Little League park. He's watching a Little League game and this team is just getting killed. And he he spoke to the boy in the dugout. He said, how's it going? What's the score? And the little boy said, well, it's 18 to nothing. We're losing. And the man said to the boy, he said, boy, that must be discouraging. And the boy looked at the man and said, why should it be? We haven't even got up to bat yet. <laughs> that innocent faith, that childlike faith is such a great place for us to begin. So, yes, ask. Be willing to ask. Be religious about it. And, and have faith. You know what the last word is? The last word is believe. That's right. We see that here in this passage when Jairus had come to him and said, you know, help me, Jesus, with my little girl. She's dying. Just imagine the passion of this father that was hurting over his little girl, his child. And, and, and Jesus, he gave him an answer. Here's what he said. He said, don't be afraid. Just believe your little girl will be healed. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to hear today. I mean, especially in our situation, world. And that is, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, Mission Church, just believe. You know, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of the last week of Lent, before Jesus' arrest on Thursday and his crucifixion on Friday. I wonder what that last week must have been like for Jesus. Huge expectations, probably negative, some of them. I mean, just huge expectations. And then there was, of course, Calvary, the cross. It's beating. The crucifixion. I just want to just remind you again that God, He loves us so much that He became flesh. He went through all of that because He loves you. I believe the message that he would give us even from the cross is to be encouraged, to have faith, just believe. Because God wants to do great and mighty things for us. And us to believe that the same God that became flesh and went to the cross and was resurrected from the dead is the same God, Mission Church, that is in control today. He's the same God that wants to bring strength and encouragement to you. And and maybe this, and this is a little bold, and maybe this is not a time you know, for warm and comfortable messages. Maybe this is a time for a prophetic message, a prophetic message of faith, to be bold in our faith, to stand up for Christ, and with courage to believe and have faith that God is doing a wonderful thing and God's involved in our life and he wants to complete something that he has started in each one of us. And so I just invite you to worship that God today. The God that was not only the God the time of the cross and Holy Week but he is the God that is today. The God that is involved in your life right now. He loves you. Be encouraged Mission Church and have great expectations because I believe when we come expecting waiting to see what God's going to do It will change our worship experience. God loves you, and so do I. Have a great Sabbath. So Mission Church, with that word, I want to invite us just to close today with a word of prayer. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the study that we've uh, just uh, been a part of and engaged in together. And Lord, I just pray a special prayer and anointing upon 
this church family and those that are beyond uh, the immediate San Diego area, people that are watching, Lord, all over the world. I pray, Lord, that you would just go to those families, those individuals that need to hear your voice, and I pray that you would speak to them, and that, Lord, that even this word and this study of coming expecting that you're doing special and great things, Lord, would cause something to come alive in each one of us. So, Father, uh, we do expect, and we know that, Father, that that you're present and that you're alive and active in our life. And so, Father, we just continue to invite you, Lord, to be a part of our families, our church, our heart. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be glorified in that. Lord, I thank you for the time that we're able to spend, Lord, as a couple or as a family in our living room. Or maybe it's just a moment we're taking uh, away from our work and we're taking a break to listen to your word. I pray, Father, you'd bless those individuals that are out and about. I pray that, Father in heaven, that you would just thwart this coronavirus. I ask, Father, that, Lord, that you'd protect people. Be with their families. Protect our families. Be with our children and our grandchildren. And I pray, Lord, that we would soon be able to meet together, to gather together in your house. Lord, I know that the church is not the building, that we, the people, are the church. And so, Lord, we are experiencing you in this way. We believe, Lord, in your word that says all things were together for the good of those who love you, been called according to your purpose. So, Lord, we trust and believe that you're working things out even right now. And so, Lord, I just pray that you just bless this prayer, bless this time as we worship together around the world in our local city. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. 